0: Hey, friends, I am so glad you're here. Thanks for listening to this show. It's about helping you live a better life mentally, spiritually, emotionally. We apply biblical concepts to mental health issues to, I always say, Tina, help you overcome life, (laughs) you know, and uh, today we're talking about overcoming negative self-issues, overcoming self-esteem challenges, and discovering our true identity, our true identity in Christ and If you like this show, I would be honored if you'd leave a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening to. And you can find more of my healing resources. They're available at jodistevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, Stevens with a V.org. You'll find my healing blog there. And then also uh, my identity course, which I wrote a course on our identity and just some of the struggles and the things that we go through that tend to steal and block our identity. And so check that out. And that's why I'm so glad to welcome my new friend, Tina Yeager. Did I say your last name right?
1: You did. Thank you. Oh, good.
0: All right. So, Tina, this is awesome. I think I found you on LinkedIn. Um, Tina is a speaker. She's a coach. She's a licensed therapist. She's the host of the Flourishment podcast and the author of an amazing book. It's called Beautiful Warrior, Finding Victory Over the Lies Formed Against You. It was such a great book, Tina. What I love about it is it's meaty. I love reading books from therapists because, you know, it's like you're sharing kind of your own struggles with this issue, but then you're giving us, like, real tangible stuff that we can apply and go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's true at its core, and I know that if I apply that, that's going to work, and that's going to help my life. So, just, I just wanted to give you Kudos. Wonderful book.
1: Thank you, Jody. I'm so honored to be on your show. I love all the things that you're doing to reach out and lift people up and show them the way to hope.
0: Yeah. So let's get into the meat of it the self esteem challenge. What, in your opinion? So I want to hear your kind of story and what you walked through in just kind of battling this issue of self-esteem and identity, because I think it's such a challenge for women. But also, I want to hear from kind of a therapeutic perspective of, in your mind, like, what is at that root of that self-esteem challenge that we face, the low self-esteem or the low self-worth or kind of what you talk about in your book, like the sort of the war we sometimes get into with ourselves.
1: Well, as a kid, I really never felt like I belonged anywhere. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I wanted to be part of what all those other beautiful girls and children were experiencing. I admired other kids and other Mm -hmm. people and wanted to feel included, and I just never felt like I was lovable. So I thought if I just starved myself, if I was just thin enough, if I just wasted away till I almost took up no space, then at least I might be included in the background and mm-hmm. less disliked. So I did, and I struggled with an eating disorder that was similar to anorexia, mm-hmm. not quite full-blown hospitalized level anorexia yet it was on its way in that direction for eight years until wow. I became pregnant with my first child. And um, that was kind of what broke my desire to be thin was focusing more on the health of the child.
0: And mm-hmm. then
1: after I got well and I went through many years of continuing to struggle with body image and low self-esteem. Eventually, I found through prayer and much personal struggle how to have hope and how to have a Christ-centered self-esteem and became a therapist. And then I noticed every other woman that I saw in my office and in my friendships also struggled with self-esteem issues for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, I can only see so many people one-on-one and I I really wanted to reach farther.
0: Wow. Do you think that shame... So for me, I feel like shame is so rooted in these identity issues. I know for me, um, I had that same... When you used the word unlovable, I was like, oh, (laughs) because I had that too. It was like I just felt unlovable. And so I really learned to kind of stuff who I was or stuff my feelings and kind of create this kind of false like front because at my core, it wasn't that they wouldn't like me. It was that I would lose something or I would lose love or I would, you know what I mean? Like it, it was, it went like so deep that I almost didn't even realize I was faking it because I think I had learned so long ago to not really be who I was. And I think somewhere along the line, right? Do we develop some, something that just says, if I'm who I am, at my core, people won't like me. So I've got to become someone else. Then when we're someone else, we're not really connecting, right? Cause we're not being authentic. And then it it seems like it creates a whole nother barrier of separation.
1: I feel like our culture, our world is centered on that shame identity, Mm
0: -hmm. creating
1: this sense of needing to measure up to something we could never be, to be somebody we're not, is part of selling products. It's part of media advertising. I mean, it's all around us all the time, isn't it?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. I grew up, well, I was dyslexic. And so for me, it was like, if they find out who I really am, they'll think I'm stupid. Right? <laughs> so I've got to be, or you know, create this kind of false self. I love um, what you said in your book. This book is very quotable, by the way. <laughs> you say um, conditioning tempts us to adopt an identity based on others' judgments, other circumstances or the record of our mistakes, right? But the sum of things past and present fall short of God's perspective, how he defines us, how he sees us. Unlike the guesses made by our parents at birth, he names us according to the inert potential that we can only fulfill when united with the spirit. That's pretty amazing.
1: I feel that only God can say who we are. He's the only one who has a right to define mm-hmm. who we are. And he's the only one that can make us who we can't be on our own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. You mentioned approval issues, appearance, performance, and personality. So what are the, three? you know, given those three, those are three things. I think those are three traps that the enemy uses, right. To get us caught up into, you know, I am how I look. I am what I do right, or I am how you know, charismatic I am. Which one of those was a trap for you, or was it all three?
1: All three, for sure. Uh-huh. I definitely, like I said, with the anorexic type eating disorder, struggled with uh, body image and appearance issues. I also struggled with performance identity because mm-hmm. I was at the top of my class, and I thought that was all that I was good for. So if I wasn't performing at the top, then I wasn't being the only thing that I could do well and mm-hmm. most likely to succeed sets up a, a parameter for which if you don't meet that, if you fall short of that, then you have the sense of failure. So we're always looking at these humanistic performance, mm-hmm. identity, appearance things. My dad had that bubbly personality everybody loved and I always wished I could have, and I never quite did measured up to. So I tried really hard to make up a personality that people would like, and I failed. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. nobody's going to like you all the time. Somebody's going to like you some of the time, but there isn't going to be any kind of personality that everyone likes, even the likable personalities. And I I seem to never quite manage that very well. Uh So in all of those things, I really fell short because I wasn't being who God called me to be. Instead, I was looking what other people might say I should become. Mm -hmm. And in any of those circumstances, we're always going to miss out on the joy of simply being with God and letting him create our identity perfectly. And Mm -hmm. he's the only one who has the right to do that.
0: Right. Well, and he's the one who created us too. So, you know, God longs to reveal our true identity because he created us. And I think we get so caught up in believing that we're bad, like you talk about this war with, with ourselves, but yet we forget that God created us for relationship. He created us for a relationship with him, and so he longs to take us back to kind of the original state before sin entered the world, right? So we're on this pathway, and he's saying, oh, look, let me—I don't just want to show you who you are. I want to, like, unveil your, your true purpose, like what you were meant to be, because God can't create anything bad. So but we get caught up in thinking, well, I'm bad. But if we think that we're bad, we're kind of saying, hey, God, what you created is not good, right? But God can't create anything bad.
1: And until we turn over what we think isn't good enough, God can't perfect what we can become.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. For me, I struggled so much and still with the performance. And I think it was rooted in that dyslexia, right? Because it was like, if you see who I am and if you see that, you know, and a lot of people with dyslexia are super smart, you know, but I had that crutch because so long ago, you know, teachers said, oh, she's stupid or she'll never amount to anything or things like that. So I kind of created this performance thing, right? Where I was always trying to perform and always trying to perform and to this day, I still struggle with it, and it's like getting that approval from the outside in, as opposed to like the inside out. And I know for me, it created a lot of um, just anxiety. They call it like free-floating anxiety, where you're just always anxious because if you if you allow yourself to be defined and your self-esteem to be defined by those things in the world, right? what's going to happen? We're always going to be anxious, right? Because you can't control those things outside of yourself, right? You couldn't control what your classmates thought of you. You can't control what um, other people in your job think about you. And it's always changing. And so when we're caught up in that, we're always going to be anxious, right? And we're never really going to have that peace of mind because people are fickle, right? And how they see us changes. And so that, I don't know, for me, that's where I think the serenity prayer was so helpless. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change because I can't change, uh, you know, what other people think. I can't change those things outside of myself, right? I can only change how I react and I can only change my identity based on what, what you say. But I think it's hard because you know, the systems of the world are really, they're kind of set up against us.
1: Absolutely. And they have been since the beginning of time, because Mm -hmm. the enemy of our souls, the prince of the air, the prince of this world, really wants to steal the best of our identity. He wants to separate us from being fully immersed in relationship with God and getting our identity and our belonging and our needs met from our relationship with God and being able to foster that in one another. So he's separating us from God and from one another and from our purpose and identity that's only found truly in Christ. So he'll get us With pride on the one end, and that's getting us to try to think we can be in control and be Mm -hmm. in charge of who we can become and be in charge of our destiny and and being able to be that beautiful, perfect, um, acceptable person on our own strength and power. And then he'll get us with shame, which is also (laughs) self-focused because it's all about us. It's all about us. Both of them are all about our humanistic point Mm -hmm. of view instead of what God says we are, what Mm -hmm. God can make out of nothingness if necessary
0: yeah so And it's hard to keep that in our minds because you know you have to constantly be thinking about who God is and why He designed us and what does His word say about us because we're in this world, right We're in the world and you have right the world, the flesh, the devil you know you see how how the enemy tempted, Jesus, how he tempted Eve, how he tempted us. It's always the same stuff. And so then we're, we're kind of right. We're in this world and we're trying to get our identity needs met from the same systems of the world. Like God created the world. He said, God so loved the world. He said, I love you. I love you, Tina. I love you. But the systems of the world, right? They're set up against God, right? And so then we find ourselves in this world in this pattern of sin just trapped and then our identity we're we're then trying to get our identity met again through the systems of the world, right? The same ones that are set up against us whether it's trying to get the I don't know, for me it was the father figure, the male authority, you know, getting that need met or like we're always striving to get those needs met from something that's just it's not designed to do it. So it, we just keep hitting a wall until God finally has to tear that away. And I think that's the painful part. Oh, like yeah. did you hit a wall where God just tore it all away <laughs> like all that need for approval and and how did he just kind of rip that out of you or I don't I shouldn't say rip that out of you because that makes God sound like a meanie, but how did he take that away from you so that you could finally give up that i mean not that we ever give it up but Correct. but slowly try to understand how to find your identity in christ
1: he had to show me I couldn't do it on my own first. Yes, mm-hmm. so
0: that's kind of like hitting the wall. But yeah.
1: I think I keep hitting that wall <laughs>
0: forever again. I know, I know. In, le-
1: in less dramatic fashion than I first hit the wall. So there's still times when we are going to be tempted with the same accusations. That's yeah. what Satan means, is accuser. So he's coming against us by his nature as the mm-hmm. accuser. He's going to hit us with shame. He's going to hit us with pride and then hit us with shame again. So he's calm constantly tempting us with those same things. You have to measure up. You have to perform. You have to look this way. You have to be this for all these other people in Mm -hmm. order to whatever it is that he thinks he can tempt us with, which is partly, uh, it's partly a truth. Usually he kind of attacks us in our area of purpose usually. So he will come against us in a way that we believe it and he'll lie to us over and over again, and he keeps trying. So Mm -hmm. we can continue to hit the similar kinds of temptations. It's just quicker to recognize it when the Holy Spirit is actively part of your life. So Mm -hmm. staying focused on who God is instead of who I am is the way that helps me keep avoiding getting sucked too deeply into that trap.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. That's good advice. I know for me, one of the ways, have you ever read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality? Yes. By Peter? yes. Okay. So they talk about the journey through the wall and what it basically is, is it's a crisis of faith. And I feel like that's what happened to me. There was kind of this crisis of faith where I felt like I kept getting re-wounded In the same place over and over and over again by the same type of situations and the same type of people to the point where, and then when it happened in the church wound, right, then it was like, boom, I was on the ground. I was in the fetal position, you know, and I was like, Lord, I am done. I can't, I've told this story before. I can't live with you. I can't live without you. And of course I'm working at this Christian music station, you know, And I come in and it's just, what a beautiful net, you know, and it's all the Christian music. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, and I, I ended up, um, going to therapy for a year, like instead of church, just to work through it. And I remember the therapist saying to me, you don't let anyone steal your relationship with God. Like that's yours. It doesn't belong to anyone else. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's so true. Um, but I realized as I kept getting, rewounded by the same there was kind of like these codependent relationships where i was i was giving way too much and i and and people were taking and i was allowing it and it was like these kind of imbalances of power in these relationships and it was because i so desperately needed approval and i was kind of trying to earn it to buy it to do all these things to get people to like me and i just kept getting rehit and rewounded until finally I just reached kind of an, an ending point, And I realized that, you know, it was God tearing away that need for approval until there was nothing left but just him and me, right? And, you know, John tells, you know, I am the vine, my father is the branches. He cuts off every branch, you know, that bears no fruit. But I'm telling you, that tearing away of that need for approval was painful. I mean, I, I liken it to like, taken a needle from a junkie, you know, cause we're really having to give it up. But, but once it's gone, right, there's almost this new freedom that comes in because we realize that we don't, you know, I, and then after that, I felt like I was on equal ground with people. I didn't feel like a like a small child anymore around certain people. So, but it was, it was necessary. But it was super painful. So I always like to encourage people, you know, that this pruning, the the painful time, right? God has a plan through it all. We just have to, we have to trust it and keep walking through it because he's the only one that knows what's good for us. But unfortunately, just like disciplining your kids, right? A lot of times it is very painful. It just does not feel very good.
1: (laughs) Right. Healing can be painful, but Mm -hmm. remaining sick can be deadly. So it's important to remember that if you're going through that time of pain where God Mm -hmm. is showing you what you need to remove out of your life and it hurts and it's uncomfortable. Remember that this is better than the death that awaits not doing this. And living a death is not worth avoiding that pain.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I so,
1: love that you compare it to um, a needle to a junkie. That's a really no, it's so true because we we have a dependency on approval. It's part yeah. of who we are. We're mm-hmm. made to crave approval, but not human approval. So we're constantly seeking that need being met through other people when it's meant to be met by the approval that God gives us in his grace through Jesus. We can get all of that need met from him, but we're looking for it in the wrong place so we can get that met. And it's like any other thing that we can be dependent on. It's Mm -hmm. filling a need that the brain is supposed to create when you're Mm -hmm. putting dopamine in your system. Well, your body needs dopamine. So when you're creating a substance in dependency where you're adding dopamine in artificially into your system and you get dependent on it. It's because you're recreating in the wrong way what right. your body is made to want in a different way. So it's similar with that need for approval. We can become addicted to approval. Social mm-hmm. media stats are showing us yes. that we're very addicted to social media and approval that is creating dopamine reactions in the brain constantly.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough right now too, with this, this global pandemic, you know, I think that we're, we're all struggling. You know, I know for me, I moved, I resigned from my job, moved to a new place. Um, you know, I had a huge platform in radio when I was in Sacramento, walked away, we moved to Reno and now it's like starting over. And, and that's just part of God's pruning and saying, Hey, this is what it's like to, um, you know, be a banana in the bunch or, you know what I mean? And that's what they say in recovery, just learn to be a banana in the bunch, you know? <laughs> and it's hard. I mean, I think God's doing a lot of work in all of us to help us to find our identity in him. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a challenge, but we have to stay connected to the vine, right? He says, I am the vine and my father's the gardener. You know, if you, if you stay connected to me, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But right, once we get away, then we get trapped into that world and all of its systems and stuff like that. But I love how relational the Bible is, you know, when you really start to look at how the Bible is It's like a series of covenants, you know, with God and his people. And when you look at that, you realize, oh my gosh, you know, we were created relationship with him. We were created to be redeemed. You know, we see this, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham. There's just like these series of covenants throughout the whole Bible where he's constantly redeeming and constantly wanting to show us who we are in him. So it's just when you really look at the Bible as a whole, it's totally relational and it's all about our relationship with him uh, and that's amazing
1: all of those covenants are so personal too and each one Mm -hmm. he gives us a different name to tell us more about who he is because that is defining who we are in that relationship with who he is Mm -hmm. so he's defining us and sharing who he is with us and that's Mm -hmm. how we get more intimate at each turn in each covenant with each time we sit at the table with him, we go Mm -hmm. deeper. And that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. So if you were to walk someone through this challenge with self-identity and things like that, kind of from a therapeutic perspective, what would be the steps that we could take?
1: I think one of the things we need to do is identify all the lies
0: that -hmm. we've believed
1: about who we are. And next to each one of those, you have to write them out. You have to get them out of your head because they have a lot of power. When they're mm-hmm. only inside your head, so write them out, and mm-hmm. then go through Scripture. And I have a list of who I am in Christ Scriptures. I know you probably do too, but mm-hmm. find one and write it down next to each one of those lies. Write a truth from God's Scripture about who God says you are. You are the apple of His eye. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Write something down that contradicts with a sword of truth. With a powerful powerful word from the holy spirit against those lies of the enemy that keep coming against you and write the truth and keep it with you where you're going to see it mm-hmm. so that when you hear the enemy speak that lie into your head if you drop a dish and break it on the floor and say i'm so stupid <laughs> like you always say when you have a mistake that you've made there's you know that you have those little things that you say right. against yourself all yeah. the time and you may not even recognize them but when you write it down and you know the truth that comes against it then you can say no wait I am not taking that from you today, enemy of my soul. You are not stealing who God says I am from me. And you speak the truth over that moment instead Yeah, and say, I am not what I've done. I am not what has been done to me. I am not what I have not done. I am what God says I am. And through the power of the blood of Christ, he says, I am redeemed. I am chosen. I am his. And I was worth the price of his sacrifice. And recognizing that you have worth in him by Mm -hmm. focusing on what he has done for you. If you were the only one, I want you to hear this. If you were the only one, Jesus would have suffered all of that abuse, all of that humiliation, Mm -hmm. all of that betrayal, all of that pain and death, a sinner's death, a murderer's Mm -hmm. death for you to rip himself open and make through him a way to the Father for you. He would do that just for you. And you need to know that that is what you're worth. And when you focus on that and meditate on that and pray about that Mm -hmm. every day, that's a step in the right direction of knowing who you are in Christ.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And we can train ourselves, I think, or, you know, to recognize the voice of the enemy. You know, we say, we say, Oh, I'm overweight. I'm fat. I'm this, I'm that. But I think sometimes if you slow the tape down, right. And you really hear his voice, he's saying, no, you're, you're fat, you're ugly. You're the, you know what I mean?
1: And are those things you would ever say to someone that you dearly? I know.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: If it's something you would never say to your daughter, your sister, your best friend, then it's probably the enemy accusing you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Let's talk about self-love too. I think that's so important. I think that, so for me as kind of someone who struggled to overcome the addiction, the codependencies and things like that, being kind and compassionate to ourselves, I think is so, so important, right? I mean- We have to give ourselves grace because it's sanctification is like this process through life, right? And it's it's a lifelong process, it's not gonna go perfect. We're gonna we're gonna mess up. But God says, you know, just love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, but also, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think sometimes that we forget to do that. And so having self-compassion is so important in the healing process, because you just, if we start beating ourselves up, right, we're just going to continue to get trapped in that shame. And I know I can get trapped into that. I have to stop and say, okay, so I made a mistake, right? I didn't, show up the way I should have that time, or I didn't show up the way I should have in that relationship, or I gave too much of my power away, or I did this, or I, I feel like I had like an emotional relapse, but it's okay. It's okay. That's just part of it because right. The enemy is always going to trap us with kind of that one thing that we struggle with. And so it's just about right. Getting back up and starting again every day and being like you said, kind enough to ourselves as we would with someone else.
1: Exactly. And recognizing the difference between God's good gift of conviction and Mm -hmm. the enemy's counterfeit of shame is really important
0: toward being able
1: to be kind to yourself and receive that grace and pouring that grace out. If you don't receive grace, if you don't love yourself and absorb Mm -hmm. the love of God, you are not going to be able to pour it out. We're not meant to be just stagnant pools of self-love and hedonistic. And that's what a lot of people have a problem with when when they think about the words self-love, they think it's selfish. Right. It's yeah. only selfish if you're not a pour-through vessel. If mm-hmm. you're receiving enough love to pour out well, then it yeah. is not selfish. It is absolutely selfless because you can only give what you take in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. You you have to love and care for yourself, otherwise you can't really love I- anyone else. Uh, and that's why this battle of identity is just so important. It's it's humility, right? It's looking at ourselves with humility, right? I'm not the best. I'm not the worst, <laughs> right? I'm I'm how God created me. But yeah, that's so true. You you know you can't give away what you don't have. So yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, Tina, it's been awesome to chat with you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, How can people get in contact with you?
1: Well, you can find pretty much everything that I have to offer at com. Okay. That's pretty simple. And it's Y-E-A-G-E-R, com. You can find my Flourishment podcast there and Life Coaching Services. Any of that stuff would be there. Speaking opportunities. Anything.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight. It was awesome to have you. And you can also connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested in finding out more or if God's done an amazing work in your life, you're interested in being a guest on this program, please reach out to me. It is Stevens at yahoo.com. That's J-O-D-I-E Stevens with a V. Stevens at yahoo.com. And I'd love it if you would check out my website too. It, it is jodystevens.org. So thank you for hanging out and we will talk to you next time.